please remain standing for just a moment. We'll go ahead and do the reading. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1 is where we'll take our reading from this morning. And uh, going, still going through the Sermon on the Mount. And this is sermon number 4 uh, derived from that. And there have been volumes of books written about the Sermon on the Mount. And I could never exhaust this. Uh, but I knew that we would have to move on to chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1, I'm going to do just a, a little bit of reading this morning, 18 verses. So please just bear with me this morning as, as the reading's a little lengthier than normal. Uh, but the content is, is absolutely uh, phenomenal here. So if you're there, please say amen. Matthew 6, 1. Amen. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not therefore unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let's bow our heads one more time. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Lord, I, I thank you that we live in a place where we can gather uh, this morning without fear of, of uh, reprimand or without fear of uh, someone coming in here and, and putting a stop to this service. And we, we know, Lord, that this morning there's Christian and brothers and sisters that are not able to do as we are. God, forgive us if we've taken this opportunity to be here this morning for granted. And God, help us as we go into your word to, to just have open eyes and open ears and open hearts to receive what you would say. And Lord, let us be attentive this morning. 
God, I pray that you would speak to someone in a special way and just uh, have your way in this service. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'll just remind you one more time that, that last week, if you were here and, and some of you were not, uh, I preached a, sort of a hard message. Would you say amen to that? It wasn't necessarily the easiest thing to preach, uh, but it, it's necessary, amen? And so last week, basically what I preached is uh, uh, doing the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And this week, Jesus sort of continues this idea of, of doing things. And, and the Sermon on the Mount, I'll say this about it, it, it it's something that, that really just, it's not super theological in its, in its mind. You don't necessarily derive doctrine. And what I mean by that is that it's very uh, applicable to your life. It, it's very applicable in the, in the fact that Jesus basically says this. He says, don't do these things and do these things. And so that's what the Sermon on the Mount is, and, and he's preparing his disciples as they're about to go minister with him. And so last week was doing the wrong things for the wrong reasons, and this week the sermon is this, doing the right things for the wrong reasons. As we approach this scripture, and Jesus sort of changes gears here, and, and he starts talking about a group of men who we've We've not had identified necessarily in, in this text yet. He begins to talk about the scribes and the Pharisees. And we know that these were super religious people and that they, they did everything that they were supposed to the right way. And it says in verse 6, he says, Take heed, he says, Pay attention, listen up, that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Now alms, I've heard this preached several different ways and, and I've heard it preached the right way and the wrong way and the wrong way is this when we think of alms we think of the word giving right that's what alms are but a, an alms is not necessarily a tithe it's not a gift to the church an alms is a gift to someone who is in need now that may be someone that is hungry so your alms could be you know a, a, a hamburger it could be Somebody is out of gas on the side of the road and, and your all may very well be that you take them a five-gallon gas can and pour it in their gas tank. It may be that somebody it can't make their bills and, and they have an electric bill due and so therefore your all may be that you, have, you pay their electric bill for them. And those are all worthy and wonderful things. Amen? As Christians, God expects us to do things for people. God expects us to go out and, and, and not just to, just to say things, but also to do things. In, in the book of James, uh, in, in James chapter 2, I believe it is, it talks about faith and works, right? And James says that, that if you see somebody who's cold or somebody that's naked or somebody that's hungry, and you just look at them and you say, and you pray for them, and then you say, all right, now I've prayed for you, uh, be warm, be filled, be, be whatever, and go away then you've not done what God expects of us. Would you say amen to that? We, we, we like to pray for people, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. And, and surely these people deserve our prayers. But sometimes we must take it a step further, and we must help people. Is the church supposed to help people as, 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 the, as, a, as a whole? Yes, we are. If, if we as a church know of a need, then we can help that person. But who's to say that you as an individual can't also take those steps and help somebody? 
And that's a wonderful thing to do. And, and I think that we should all do that. And, and some of you probably have done that. No doubt there's been people in here that have paid electric bills. There's been people in here that have bought meals and bought gas and, and done this and that. And we don't know about it. But who does know about it? Well, God does. And, and, and you're not going to lose anything, any kind of reward on anything that you've ever done in the name of Jesus. Amen? But these hypocrites, these, these Pharisees, these, he, he mentions the word hypocrites. He says, uh, verse number 2, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, when you are giving to people, it, Jesus doesn't even uh, give us the command. He just expects us to do it. Do you see that? Do you understand that? When you do them, not if you do them or do them. He says, when you do them. Don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Could you imagine you're standing on a, a, on a, on a street in Jerusalem and you hear some trumpets blowing and, and you, you kind of wonder where they're coming from and you begin to look around and, and all of a sudden you see the religious people and there's several of them walking down the street together, and they've, you know, they've got their Sunday best on, right? They're wearing their 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 robes, and they've got their their everything's just just right. And you think, well, what's going on? There must be some kind of big announcement. And and then there's a beggar laying, you know, just right here. And 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 back then, folks, if you were if you were a beggar, if you didn't have a home, I mean, you were in trouble, right? I mean, there's no there's no social systems to help you out. You were just uh, dependent on the mercy of people. And you're laying there and you see a beggar. And all of a sudden these people come up and, and they get their wallet out or they get their, their whatever, however they carried their money back then and, and, and they make a scene about it. And everybody stops to look and, and say, uh, hey, I'm going to give this beggar here uh, 20 shekels. Now that beggar, he's a happy guy, right? I mean, no doubt, if he comes, he's going to hold his hand out just the same as he would for everybody. And he, he gets what he needs but the Pharisees, the scribes, they were looking for something more. They were looking for the applause of men. They were looking for, the, for the, just the regular old people, the, the everyday Joe standing there on the street to look at those guys and say, Wow, they must really love God. Look what they just did. They just gave that guy $20 or 20 shekels or 20 whatever and, and they helped him out and they met his need. Oh man, and, and maybe there was some clapping. Maybe there was some cheering. Maybe there was this and that and a to-do was made and, and a pat on the back. But what did Jesus say? Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And you know what their reward was? Their reward was that clap of the hand. Their reward was that pat on the back that they received. And this is a very, a, a very good scripture. And it, and it helps us to understand that we should never, ever at any point in our Christian lives seek to glorify ourselves. See, the thing about it is, is, is that if, if I do give something to somebody and, and I've helped people, I mean, I've opened up my wallet for people, and, and so have you, no doubt. But when I do that, and I, and I hand that money off, or I put that gas in that tank, or I buy that food, whatever the situation is, I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it to glorify God. 
The reason I do it is so that that person, so that what they'll see is that I have something different about me, that there's a change in my heart and that I didn't do it to receive a, a hand clap or a pat on the back, that I did it so that they, their needs would be met, but they would be met in the name of Jesus. That's what it's all about, is glorifying God. So we must do that in our almsgiving when we help people out in whatever capacity that may be. He says that, that uh, in verse 4, he says, when you do your alms, when you give to people, and it's in secret, he said, God sees that and he will reward you. Now, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have a reward from God than I would the applause of men any day of the week. And, and what I'm saying is, and, and does that mean that, that God's going to magically make uh, you know, ten times as much appear in your bank account? No, absolutely not. I've seen guys, you know, uh, tell evangelists, say, if you'll send me $100, God will give you $1,000. Y'all ever seen foolishness like that? I'll tell you what, God's not in that. Would somebody say amen to that? But God can reward you in more ways than you can imagine. God may bless your family like you've never been blessed. God may do things that you can't even imagine because you did it for His glory. If it ends in an applause, then, then that's all that was given and, and you have your reward. And so we see here that almsgiving is, is when we help one another out. It's, it's man to man. It's manward, if you will. But then Jesus, again, he continues the same idea, but then he sort of changes the method just a little bit, and he begins to talk again about the, the hypocrites. But he says, and when you pray, oh, prayer is, is something that, that uh, I don't believe we do enough of. And, and that may sound like a cliche, and you could say, well, yeah, we could always stand more prayer but how many people actually pray and, and mean business with God? He says, and when you pray, you shall not be as the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen of men. And what does Jesus say again? They have what? Their reward. And these guys, they would go out and they would pray these, these long prayers, these memorized prayers, and they would be very, very eloquent prayers, and they would have a vocabulary like people had never heard, and they would just, and what the reason they would pray, they weren't praying for any particular thing a lot of times, they would just, they would just pray. People would look at them and they would say, wow, that was awesome. You ever heard a prayer like that? I remember one prayer in particular uh, that I heard at a revival one time and, and the pastor of the church at the revival asked this particular man to, to pray in, in a dismissal prayer. Now we have dismissal prayers, right? And they're usually about 30 seconds in duration. When I ask somebody to pray, I almost have to run from the stage to the back door sometimes, okay? That's just how it is. But this guy, he must have been ready for that dismissal prayer. I don't know if that pastor called him ahead of time and said, hey, on Friday night of this revival, you're going to dismiss. And, and, and he, he literally stood up and he started in the book of Genesis and prayed the entire Bible to the book of Revelation. And if his prayer was at least 12 to 15 minutes long. I'm standing there, of course I'm able-bodied, but there were a lot of folks that, that were older and had, you know, had problems. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I opened my eyes and people were sitting down and uh, people were walking out, and, and no doubt in my mind, as that guy prayed, it was to be heard. 
I mean, I just believe that in my heart. And I'm not saying that, that long prayers are wrong. That's, that's not uh, my, my indication by any means whatsoever. But what, what I am saying is that when we pray, that it doesn't have to be something that's worth hearing. It doesn't have to be this big eloquent thing that, that everybody, you get done and they say, wow, they must be really, in spirit, they must be really spiritual and, and have a really good relationship with God. That's not what it's all about. It's about pouring our needs out before the one who knows our needs already. Jesus said when you pray, in verse number 6, He says, go into your closet. Now, if it, your closets are anything like mine, there's no room, so you have to do something else. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Sister Teresa's laughing right now. I couldn't get in my closet. But what the, what the word closet here means is it's actually, in, in, the, in the original Greek, he's referring to a storeroom, like a pantry, if you will. And it was believed that the pantry in this time, that the closet was the only room in the house that could lock. So what Jesus is indicating here is that not only that you go into your closet or into your pantry and that you shut the door, but that you lock it as well. And why do you do that? That's to drive out all of the distractions. That's to keep out all of the things on the outside so that you can have your time with God. I don't know about you, but in any given time, on any given day, I've got a lot of distractions in my life. Do you have distractions? I remember Brother Mark preached a sermon on distractions. Do you remember that, Mark? And, uh, and, and I, I have a lot of distractions in my life. Some of them are, are good. Some of them are not so good. But, but a lot of times I'll be praying, and, and I'll just I think about even this week. I'll tell you, I was, I was praying somewhere, and, and I'm not telling you this for my glory, but I was here at the church praying, and my phone started to ring. And, and it was just somebody that, that didn't have anything pressing. They just wanted to talk. So I had to quit what I was doing, get up, talk on the phone for 20 minutes. And then am I, am I still in the mood to pray? You say, well, if you're spiritual, you would be. Well, I'm human. And so I began to think about other things. And, and, and before you know it, well, I didn't, didn't necessarily, wasn't in the mood to pray at that moment anymore. And you say, well, brother, that's terrible. That's just real life. He's telling us to, to knock out all of the distractions and to pray to the Father which is in secret. And if you do this, God will reward you openly. And he talks in verse 7, and I'm just going verse by verse here because this is one of the best ways to preach the Bible. He says, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do. He says, don't use, he says it's not like we're casting spells or, or anything like that. And there's not a certain formula to prayer. It's just, uh, prayer is simply a conversation between you and God. Prayer should not be a monologue. It should be a dialogue. That means maybe you should pray a while and then you should listen a while. Would you say amen to that? He says that don't use vain repetitions. He says, but after this manner, pray. He doesn't say, I want you to understand this, that this is not necessarily the, the prayer that we're always supposed to pray. He doesn't say necessarily pray this prayer, but he said pray this way. And he starts off, and, and I'm, I'm not going to break this down verse by verse because that, that's a whole other sermon unto itself. And, and I didn't want to preach two sermons in one. And, and to be honest with you, you didn't want me to preach two sermons this morning, right? One will be enough. 
But he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He begins off by, by calling the name of God our Father. I was joking with somebody this morning in the hallway, but, but how true it is. They, they asked me a simple question. They said, Do you have tomatoes at your house? And I said, no. I said, but my Father supplies my needs. And He means a lot to me. Just as God, when we go to Him, we can call Him Father. Because He knows what we need. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, He said, you are holy. And then He begins to, to talk about the kingdom. And what kingdom is that? Well, there's, there's several beliefs on this, and I'm not going to dig into them. But it's, it's that God would have His way. Maybe He's talking about that, that Jesus come back. I, I don't know exactly. And then He says, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. If there's anything we need in our world right now, it's that the will of God would be done. Why, are, why, are, why is our nation broken? Why are our churches like they are? Why are our homes broken and marriages failing? That's a good question, right? You say, you got the answer to that question? Yes, I do. People are not in God's will. It's that simple. You wonder, you wonder why you can't get along with your spouse or you can't get along with your kids or you can't do this and you can't, you can't do that. Ask yourself, are you in the will of God? He said, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Everybody still with me? Everybody say amen there? We need to be in the will of God. And then he goes on, and, and we all know this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, not the ones on our homes and our cars, but forgive us of our sins. Forgive us to the indebtedness that we have to God. We are, we are so in debt to God that we would never see the light of day if it wasn't for His forgiveness. Amen? And he says, as we do something, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Does that mean that God's going to just take us and say, okay, you go over here where something bad might happen to you. Or you might make a mistake. No, that's, that's not what God does. The Bible says that God can't be tempted. And that God will not lead us into that. But he says, lead us not into temptation. So it means to steer us away from these things. And deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a wonderful prayer. We should, we should model our prayer after that. And I want you to notice that, that about three quarters of the prayer is focused on God. And only about one quarter of it is about us. See, when we pray and, and when I pray, a lot of it tends to be about things that I need. Things that I'm praying for. Now those prayers, they may be your very name. When I pray, like I said, I, pr I pray for people by name. I write your names down and pray for you. And I pray for my family. But how often do we just stop and pray a prayer to God, just, just thanking Him for being God? Just glorifying Him, just lifting Him up and, and saying, Lord, You are holy, just as He said in verse 9, hallowed or holy be Thy name. How often do we do that? Many times when we pray, we, we get down and we say, well, well, God, I've got this problem and 
and I've got that problem and this is wrong and that's wrong and, and we need this down at the church and we need this over here and this over here and before you know it we, we're tired of praying our knees hurt and we say well there you go amen and just like putting amens like putting the stamp on the envelope and sticking it in the mailbox right well we'll see what God will do anybody ever prayed like that anybody besides me some of you have, some of you may not know what I'm talking about, and some of you may have never prayed, I don't know. But he said, this is how you pray, if you just focus on God. But then he says something really strange at the end of the prayer. After he says amen, he reiterates something. He, he restates an idea in the prayer. He says, for if you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's heavy stuff right there. He says, if you're not willing to forgive somebody else, then I won't be willing to forgive you. You remember, did I not mention something about that last week in the sermon? About forgiveness and how that we need to, to not be at odds with those around us, but we need to be on good terms with everybody. I'm not going to re-preach that. But I'm going to go ahead and say this, that that's a, a general theme in the Sermon on the Mount is that we need to forgive other people. He said, because if we're not willing to do that, then why should God forgive us? That's a very serious thing. And so we see that almsgiving back to that is, is, is manward, it's, it's toward each other. And then we see that prayer, where does, where does prayer go? Well, it's Godward, right? That's where prayer goes. It goes to God. And you say, well, what about me? Well, Jesus is about to address something that's selfward. And it's something that, that uh, it's, it's not preached on very much. In fact, it's, I don't know how many sermons I've actually heard in a free will Baptist church about this subject in, whole, in, in a complete sermon. Now, I've preached on it. I've touched on it. But it's on the subject of fasting. And fasting, he says, moreover, in verse 16, he's, he's moreover, repeating again, when you fast, you notice the word there, it's very, we've got to pay attention. It's not if you fast, right? It's when you fast. Be not as the hypocrites. What did the hypocrites do when they fasted? Well, they were of a sad, sad countenance. And they disfigure their faces. I, I don't know what exactly that meant, but, but I would, you know, I always think of kids making an ugly face and your parents saying, if you don't quit doing that, your face is going to stay like that. That's, in my opinion, how they disfigure their faces. That they may appear unto men to fast. But verily I say unto you, what does he say? They have their reward, right? Their reward is, is when. When they step out of their house for the third time this week and they've got their head down and they've got that ugly face and they're holding their belly and, and, uh, and the people are looking at them saying, you know, that's the third time he must be fasting this week. Man, what a holy guy. I mean, he's really denying himself and he's, he's really doing a, a good thing for God by doing that. That's the third time this week and he did it four times last week. Look how holy this man is. He must really be a man of God. Pat on the back, there's his reward. He says, he says, don't be like that. He says, when you fast. Now, now this is something, again, that, that we don't talk about a whole lot. 
But I believe that, that when, when, you, when a, a move of God was needed in the Bible, somebody was fasting somewhere. Uh, there's many, many examples of that, and, and the one that just comes to my mind automatically I think about in the book of Jonah. You remember Jonah, right? Now, Jonah, we don't hear about him fasting. But Jonah goes into Nineveh, and he preaches. Yet 40 days, and judgment's going to come on this city. 40 days, he just repeats an eight-word sermon over and over and over again for two days like a broken record. And finally the king hears this and he's convicted in his heart. And you know what he does before he begins to ask for forgiveness? He, he calls a city-wide fast. He says, he says, you're not going to eat anything until I tell you to. Why? Because we need to get down to business with God. Now, I'm going to say this, and, and, and this is a very serious statement, that I believe that great things can happen and will happen when you couple prayer and fasting together. In fact, the, I believe the whole objective of fasting is that you can take something away, whatever that may be, and put prayer and communion with God in its place. And I've heard debates after debates, and, and I've heard uh, people discuss this, and they say, well, is he just talking about food, or, or can you fast from other things? Can you fast from TV? Can you, can you fast from this and that and your cell phone and, and all this? And, and my answer to that is, well, they didn't have TVs and cell phones back then, so I'm not really sure. But I think that food was the one thing that, that if you had it and you denied yourself food in this time, you were really doing something. Remember in the previous verses when Jesus said, Give us this day our daily bread? Sometimes that's all they had. They, they, it wasn't like us when you go over to the pantry that's locked, by the way, and stick your head in there and look that you had just all this food that you could choose from like we do today. They had their daily bread. And some of that daily bread wasn't much. Sometimes it was just a, 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 you know, five loaves and two fishes or, or whatever kind of unit of food you want to measure in the Bible. It could have just been a tiny amount of food. And for them to give that up and spend time with God was serious business. Here's what fasting is and here's the heart behind fasting in its truest form. It's saying this. It, it, it's actually making a profession to God. And when you fast, here's what the profession is. It's that God, I would rather have you than I would this, food. Or I would rather have you than I would the TV or the cell phone or, or whatever that, that it is that you need to fast from. And, and it could be a different thing for different people. Food's a good place to start. Uh, you know, fasting from other things, that's, that's between you and God. That's for you and God to decide what you need to fast from even. But the statement and the attitude behind fasting is that I would rather have God than anything else. And I would say right now that, that our church needs God more than we need anything else. Would you say Amen. Our nation, our state even, the whole world. Hey, Afghanistan, it's, it's bad over there right now. And they need God more than they need anything else. 
They need God more than they need ammunition and rifles and military support and airstrikes or whatever. They need a move from God. You know how a move from God's going to happen? If some people get serious about it. If some people get down to business with God. Now I know fasting, you say, well nothing, you know, I've never told anybody and bragged about fasting because I've never done it. Maybe it's time to start. Maybe it's time for, for some folks to, to, to not step up and step out and say, I'm going to fast. That's not what this is about. But, but I would challenge you, I would love to challenge you as a church to, to do what Jesus said to do. That when you fast, I challenge you as a believer, as a Christian, to get down to business with God, to go into your prayer closet, wherever that may be. Your prayer closet may be your vehicle on the way to work. That may be the only time that you're able to get somewhere quiet and lock the door, right? Some, for some people it is, especially if you've got toddlers, amen? But, and, and ask God, Lord, would you, would you have me just to give something up? It may be permanently. It may be temporarily, it may be for one day, it may be that you do something for a whole month. But I believe that if we are willing to say, God, I want you more than I want anything else, that God will bless that. And God will move. And we need a move from God, I believe, worse than we ever have, worse than, worse than I can ever imagine. Anytime anything was ever done, there was probably, it seems, always somebody fasting. We know Jesus fasted. We know that, that, that a lot of the disciples fasted, and, and we're not doing it so that we can be seen and so that we can say, hey, you know, I'm denying myself. Look how holy I am. It's about God. All of this, this entire, all these verses that I've read through and that, I've, that I've, I've kind of just commented on a little bit here and there, I've let the Bible do the preaching this morning. It's doing the right thing, but don't do it for the wrong reason. Do it for God's glory. Do everything in your life. This doesn't just end at almsgiving and prayer and fasting. It's every single thing that you do every day of your life must be done for the glory of God and not for our glory. Not for the glory of this church or, or any church. But anything that we do, we point to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for your wonderful word. And God, thank you uh, for this very clear instruction on these things. I'm glad that you didn't complicate things and that you didn't just make it hard to live a Christian life. But you gave us clear instruction on how to help people. Clear instruction on how to pray and where to go and, and what to do and what attitude to have and how to fast. And Lord, I just pray that this message may have taken root in somebody's heart and, and that somebody has learned something this morning from your word. And maybe, just, just maybe somebody would, would take up the challenge to, to go get in their prayer closet and deny themselves and Lord say that they want you worse than they want anything else. And that they'll put away some things and, and they'll, they'll do some things that maybe they're not used to. And, and it may be uncomfortable. 
but God, it's for your glory. And it's so that we can see you move in a mighty way. God, I beg you this morning to move on us. God, I beg you to move on this church and, and on this state and this country. And, and God, we need your help. And Lord, no man is going to fix the problems. But it's only going to come from a holy God. We trust you. And we thank you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we're praying. Amen. Brother Cecil.